this is an awesome episode. It's our Christmas bonus episode of 2020. One of my favorite episodes. And before we get started, we're not going to have any ad reads, but we have a list of businesses and people that we'd like to thank. So thank you to Pit Barrel Barbecues, Cowboys Caviar, Wool Love Apparel, Gorp Energy Bars, Trans Canada Beer, Rat River Outdoors, Harvester Outdoors, Neepwell Golf and Country Club, Annette at Promo Time. She does all her clothes. Josh McFadden, April Willis, Addie Lemke, and Shauna Solarchuk. Why do we why do we thank Josh again? I have no idea. He told me to put him on the list, so <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that, that makes a lot of sense now that you said it. <laughs> so welcome to episode sixty eight. This is our Christmas slash holiday special and like Sheldon said, it's probably one of our favorites all year because we just get to kick back and uh relax a little, do things our way. So hopefully you'll enjoy it. We're going to answer some questions that we got in from the internet. We'll answer some questions that we made up ourselves and hopefully bring some festive cheer for everyone. Festive cheer, man. I got one spiced rum and six beers in a cooler beside my desk, and I hope to be done in the mall before the end of this episode. <laughs> bingo, bango. <laughs> hey, isn't there some secret episode lurking deep in the archive somewhere of a, a six beer challenge that I heard about? Yeah, that might be. That's a, uh, that's a YouTube video that uh, could be, you know, a special edition. That was a fun night. And to anybody that's listening to this episode, of course, all three of us are in different locations because of god dang COVID. So audio might be a little bit different, but please bear with us. You guys want to start off with some five burning questions? Normally what we do is we ask the audience, or sorry, ask the guest five burning questions. Today we went on Instagram and we picked nine of the best questions from Instagram that people asked us. So I'm going to start asking these questions uh, to Tristan and Chase and answer them myself. Hopefully they don't take forever. But my first question is from um, the Canadian Camo, Canadian Camouflage. And he asked, what is the most Canadian thing you've ever done? I think Tristan has a perfect answer with his last uh, Reels video. So the question was, what is the most Canadian thing that we've ever done? And we're answering on our uh, holiday episode. I, That's right. I guess you got to check out the reels on our Instagram feed because it was me setting the hook and reeling in a lake trout on a like a Kenora Lake with my skates tied on. So the funny part is, though, is I was playing, I was actually playing hockey when I did this and I, I, hopped over the bank and where we had drilled the holes all the water came out of the ice and so i slipped like i just yard sailed it and went ass first into the into the water so if you watch the video closely you can see like my ass and leg is completely soaked so <laughs> but i did get that i did land that fish and that was a pretty cool thing to do while playing pond hockey so that has to be my most canadian moment and uh just here on the live video too. So thanks for tuning in, everyone, and uh, we'll see you soon. Chase, you got a Canadian. What's your most Canadian moment? I can't think of one off the top of my head, and I might come back to this, but you got one that's, uh, that's coming out? Oh, man, that's a tough one. There, there's nothing that stands out in my mind right now, and I don't know. Tristan's Canadian moment is pretty tough to top. I'm going to have to say that. <laughs> Um, shit. Can you talk about... Let me think. 
Can you talk about Moose Camp, the Grant Moose Camp? For the most Canadian thing, I had an, an, actually another idea or whatever that came into my head while we were talking here. But I remember uh, when I was working up in Churchill, and uh, it was like kind of like a snowstorm. We were playing hockey one night, and we left the left the hockey rink to go home, and got the truck stuck like in the middle of the town of Churchill. So there's so much snow blowing around, and the only thing we had like that we had to dig out was like uh, our hockey sticks. I thought that was pretty funny, especially <laughs> in a town like Churchill. You know where there's, you know. It's known for their polar bears, obviously, and everything else. But it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty Canadian, Canadian thing in my mind, I guess. That is pretty Canadian, um, Tristan. I think, I think, like the, are you talking about flying a helicopter into moose camp and then moose hunting and shooting a moose, not out of the helicopter, but <laughs> yeah. shooting a moose that week? <laughs> yeah, that would be the one, the, the Hella Moose Camp. Yeah, it was a pretty good moose camp. Um, I'm not. Is that? I guess. Yeah. That can be considered Canadian. I feel like I can come up with something more Canadian than that, though. I got to think about it. Let I've, me think about that one I, for a minute. I've seen you snag grayling on the fly. That was pretty wild. Yeah, I've done a lot of like northern Canadian stuff. Um, I guess I can cover that topic. Like with Sheldon, obviously spent quite a bit of time up in Churchill. One of Manitoba's most iconic um, animals, I guess, could be also the the polar bear. So I spent lots of time. Um, tranking polar bears out of helicopters. That's, that's kind of Canadian, I guess. That's pretty gnarly. <laughs> so, so got a couple hundred, hundred of them under my belt. Here's a, the next question for the nine burning questions for tonight. It's from Plate Problem. I like this question, and he asks, I think it's a he, but this follower asks, um, what's one bad habit that a lot of hunters are guilty of doing that you wish you could change for yourself? Ooh, that's a good one. I'll start off as, uh, you know, if it's not like the environmental impacts, like people leaving their trash and shit, I wish I could change that. But if it was like me on a personal like hunting strategy or tactic, mine would be like when I'm going to hunt new areas to be able to sit longer. Like I have a tendency to sit for half hour and then get up and walk, you know, another hundred yards and sit again. And it's burnt me a few times moose hunting doing that. Um, I had a time when I was in, like long time ago hunting up in Mafeking when it was open still. And I kind of, we kind of did that as, you know, called in one spot and then got up and walked a couple hundred yards and called in a spot. And we did this down this cut line. And then when we're walking back, we noticed these fresh bull moose tracks at every, basically every spot we stopped. So it was, it was kind of a learning curve and I still do it today. I just don't have as much patience as I'd like, I guess. I need to be in a tree stand. I need to be like anchored down somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good, that's patience a good. is certainly a virtue out there. I don't uh I don't have a like a, a personal one off the top of my head. Like I've got lots of things that I know I need to work on in my own hunting game, but I I, I wouldn't accuse other hunters of of doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. But if I had to broaden it out, I think maybe sometimes when we're looking at like wildlife management from a, a hunting perspective, I think we get really hung up on like how many licenses are out there and how many animals are being taken, which is important. Don't, don't get me wrong, but like in Manitoba, at least it seems like we could benefit from also looking at like, how do we enhance uh, like game hunting areas or how do we enhance environment for wildlife to like make that species more robust in those areas? So that's, that's one thing. I don't know if that answers that question, but that's one thing I would like to focus on more. Yeah, for sure. 
Chase, you got anything? That's a good one. Um, I have a, a bit of a similar thought to you. I, I, I've just kind of shooken this, this habit lately, like the last year, I'll say, and I'm now climbing back into it. And I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing. At times it can be a good thing, but at times I think same kind of thing. It, it's, it's bad for me is that like when I get set up in a spot sometimes, whether I'm deer hunting or duck hunting or uh, moose hunting, whatever it may be, there's always this thought in the back of my mind that like there's a better spot around the corner and I should be trying to find it. You know, and it's always like when you're out duck hunting, the ducks are always landing in the spot right behind you. Or like when you're deer hunting, you're sitting there, you're like, ah, there's no fresh sign here. Maybe I should go find some fresh shot sign. And then when there is fresh sign, you're like, well, the deer were here yesterday. They're not going to be here today kind of thing. So it's it's just uh, yeah, total men- mental game sometimes. And, and that uh, that hurts me sometimes. But uh yeah, and I've elk hunted with you, and I know that it's like, oh, yeah, we've only walked 21 miles today. They might as well make it 29. And it's just like, oh, my God. <laughs> but I see what yeah. you're saying. Chase, Chase is the only guy I think that I know that goes for a walk on every duck hunt he's ever been on with me. Like I, <laughs> I don't know if anyone else goes for a walk in the middle of marsh every time. My <laughs> third question for you guys is from Clay Handler. His question is, what is your thoughts of, uh, man, I can't even read my own writing. What is your thoughts on fish and them dying or being harmed because of pictures for social media? It's kind of a statement slash question. Um, my only thing, I guess I, the thing I would say is that uh, if you're very, if you're unfamiliar with like the, the health of a fish, especially uh, maybe in the cold winter months of ice fishing and stuff like that, um, Aaron Weeb on Uncut Angling has a good video on YouTube about the importance of getting fish back in the water, but I think everyone's got to do do their part to make sure those fish go back healthy. Yeah, I agree, man. There, there's, I, I, I don't know, there's there's a lot of craze about taking a good picture with the fish, and even if it's in the summertime, excuse me, uh, you know, some of those lake trout, you're fighting for a long time, hauling them up, and they use a lot of energy reserves and stuff. Um, I think... If your intention is to take pictures, I think you need to be set up properly, whether you're by yourself or with a buddy or whatever. Make sure you're set up, ready to go after you take that thing out of the net or get it out of the ice. Take your picture and get it back as quick as possible. But um, I think sounds like he wants us to speak to the, the matter of like the people that aren't doing it effectively and fish fish are dying because of it and it's just i don't know i think it's a tough thing to really police and it's tough i don't know my yeah, recommendation other... would just be ready for it yeah be ready it. for it the thing is too is that um I, this what grinds my gears is there's people out there on social media that have like double handle handles of like big bass or whatever right like like you like you just had a double header of masters like okay well Maybe, but sometimes you can totally tell, like, the coloration of the fish are totally different. You know it was probably yeah. in their live well until they caught this other big one, and then they put them both back. Well, like, it's not really great for the fish, and that's I, that really bothers me, actually, but I guess whatever. Man, that should be, that should be, uh, <laughs> there's a new YouTube series for us is uh, 
boat and trophy bass on pickerel rigs, double headers. <laughs> yeah, people people laugh at like guys haul like guys hauling in fish with like just cranking down the drag and just like not not playing them out or anything like that and just like hauling them in. But if you think about it from like a conservation perspective, that's probably the best way to do it, right? Because you're not depleting the fish. You're just basically winching that thing in as like quickly as possible. Yeah. Well, if, if you look at like uh, fish mortality rates just on a basic um, catch and release system, the mortality rates are, are quite, quite high still. I'm pretty sure I can't. Man, I wish I had the numbers on it. I wish I would have been a little pr- more prepared for this, but uh, they're like surprisingly high. And lots of people uh, bring forth the argument that's like, well, if you're doing catch and release, you might as well just keep the fish and eat it. Because there's like, I think it's up around 50% or maybe just below 50% whether or not that, that fish survives. I think you're talking about that Renella episode, and I think he said it was around 30%. Uh, if is it 30 yeah still high right like that's basically one in three fish that you release is uh yeah that's the thing so if my my thoughts are like if a guy's fishing a trout fishery and his limits one you know you catch one you keep one and then some guys will go home after that one whereas the the trophy fisherman will stay out there and catch like try and catch 30 fish in a day and then you're say like 10 10 of those fish don't make it or nine or whatever it is you know that's putting a pretty good dent in the population yeah and not to be like stroking off uh aaron weeb any more than i already have tonight but he has like quite a few videos of of them catching like that fish like certain fish like over and over again even like year after year like or having like pictures of other guys catching that exact same muskie or whatever it may be. So there is yeah. like obviously when you're handling fish, there's, there's good ways to do it. There's good, you know, get them back in the water as quick as possible. Yeah. Um, are you guys done with that that answer? Yeah, and I think we we chatted about that one a little bit too on our social media episode too, and just what like the pressures of social media and all that stuff and what it does to the industry. So. Yeah. Um, next question, Unruh Farms. They say, uh, question, what's your favorite way to cook your venison? Ooh, mm. that's a loaded question. Totally. Uh, if if we were doing our our usual five burning questions and Sheldon, you asked me what's, what's my final meal, I would probably have to say venison backstrap on the grill, seared, super high heat. Maybe maybe elk backstrap too, one of the two, maybe both of them at the same time. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, seared super high heat. Sometimes I just like it with a little olive oil and uh, like st- st- steak rub, or sometimes I'll do like a marinade with like uh, soy and Worcestershire and some herbs, garlic. That's mine. Yeah, Chaser, what do you got, bud? I'm similar, man. I'll I'll say if like if I'm on the uh death row meal kind of deal i'm going with that but uh like overall in general i I feel like i i kind of float around and gravitate to certain things throughout the year and and if that makes any sense like like right now um we just had some uh thai curry venison 
that I cooked up and it's from like a venison shank. And I'm just trying to, I like that recipe right now. And I'm probably going to like cook it a couple more times over the next month or two to try and dial it in. And then I'll probably be sick of it for a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I find with uh, venison, like if, as long as you can get like that silver skin, the fat and all that stuff off of the piece of meat, <clears throat> what I like to do, I, it doesn't matter what cut it is. What I like to do is just like kind of what, what uh, Tristan said, sear it, but I do mine in a cast iron pan with, with oil. And then uh, after it's seared, then let it sit in there with like some rosemary and ginger and um, butter and just let it kind of sit in and garlic and just kind of cook it like that. And then when done, slice it up and, and then eat it with cheese and crackers. And we do that at like kind of like our in quotation deer camp. We'll like have that for like an appetizer and uh, yeah, it's super good, but you can do it with any cut of meat. So, um, but while we're talking about meat, MJE1985 asked, what's a wild game cut that you overlooked in the past, but you like now? I think that's anything too. Like it could be fish, ducks, whatever. Well, uh, hmm. I could say like I've got a whole new appreciation for ducks or waterfowl after I started aging the meat. Like It's just unbelievable. It's not even comparable in a lot of ways. So that would be my one recommendation that if I had to go like biggest difference – like from before to after, that would be it for sure. I'd say uh, I'd, I'd go with the uh, the shanks on the animals. I've been cooking those for a few years now, and um, I would rather eat a shank than grind it up and put it into sausage. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm in a second be a second on that one, Chase. I did that this year, and uh, I'll probably do that every time now instead of cutting it up. Sheldon, can you comment on the shanks on Chase? Like this, like his squirrel shanks. <laughs> <laughs> Seen bigger shanks than a red squirrel, man. <laughs> uh, um, next question is from High Risk. What's your? Uh, I think that's who it was from. I might be wrong with this name, too. But anyways, what's the most effective walleye bait? Um, and I, uh, we've talked about this in a couple episodes before, I think, too. And uh, my my answer would be. In the wintertime, if you can, live minnows in a jig, and then in the summertime, uh, salty in a jig. Chase? I think I think it can be very seasonal, but um, I'll second the, the jig and the minnow um, comment there. It's often what our go-to is, but uh, in the summertime, if I'm looking for something to mix it up, that dead of summer, you know, uh, either a spinner or like a Lindy rig, is a, is a solid second option for me. I find walleye to be a fickle fish, and maybe not the same way that uh, like a, a rainbow can be, but it, I think, is very dependent on their mood that day. That being said, like I don't think you can go wrong with a salty and a, and a jig. I think if I had to pick one walleye lure, it would be a salty and a jig. But like I've caught them on rattle baits. I've caught them on jigging spoons. I've caught them on... Uh, Rapella, one of those uh, the the jigging wraps there. Like I've caught them on five of diamonds, pickle rigs. Like you can catch them a lot of ways, right? For sure. Yeah, that's true. And actually, I was thinking about it while you guys were talking too. Is when we went on that ice fishing event last winter, and Mike was there from Custom, and he was. I mean, maybe if the question is like the number of fish compare, or is the question like the most effective bait for for big fish? Well, Mike was hammering them, you know. Yeah. 
That's his name, right, Mike? Yeah, Mike Harris from yeah. Element Custom Baits there, yeah. Yeah, and he was hammering them and like and catching big fish. So I guess there's a little bit of argument there. Okay, got two more questions for you guys. The next question is from our good friend Josh McFadden, and oh, he boy. says, if you have $300, what sporting store would you go to and what would you buy? Oh, that's a great question. Chase, you want to I'll start this. Uh, I'll start this one off. Yeah. If you don't mind. Um, just because I am from uh, kind of the western part of the province, I'd probably check out uh, Wolverine Supply um, and get some archery equipment. Um, but this is kind of a two-part answer. Wolverine Supply in Verdon, um, they're they're super good there and very easy to talk to, knowledgeable um, for for um, yeah archery equipment. Or else I would be getting a, a new scope and that store could be probably Wolverine Supply again, but yeah, new scope for a rifle. Shit, man, this is a tough question. There's so much that I want right now. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's a lot of good stores out there. Well, I'm not going to say a lot of good stores, but there's a couple, we have a couple good stores around here. Um, I, man, <clears throat> I feel like the archery game is, is really like, on my high priority over the last couple of years. And I, I still want to maintain that high priority of it. And I want to upgrade some of my gear in this coming year. So I'd probably be going to Heights to pick up um, a new site. And depending on how expensive things are, obviously arrows are never a bad idea. And uh, I can honestly use a new release too. talking archery gear. Nice, Tristan. Man, I uh, I would go drop three hundred dollars at Rat River just to go bullshit with Dan again. I think that that would be worth it. But they also had some cool gear there too. Like there was a blind there that I was checking out that I think would be helpful for us. And they have some firearms like affordably priced. That you know, three hundred dollars, you might be able to get yourself a a new firearm at Rat River. I I can't remember, but like I mean, some of them were in that like five hundred dollar price range that I was looking at, and I was like, hey, that's like actually affordable for like modern age. You know what I mean? Like that's something you can right, right. Bu- buy your kid kind of scenario and not not feel too bad about it. So. I, yeah, and and they were saying that they're gonna be up in their stock there, so I'd be super keen to see what they got. Nice. Last question of the night, fellas, and this one uh, I, I like this question. I think it's from our the president of our fan club, BKYYUZ on Instagram. Who's that? Yeah, that's Brian. Yeah. <laughs> His Aww. question is, what's your one heartbreak story about the animal that got away? Oh, I feel like Chase should start this. Shit, man. We got a half dozen of them from this fall in the elk elk woods. No kidding. (laughs) Um, If you don't tell the one about that elk on, like, the second day, then I'll tell it. Oh, man. Okay. You tell that one. I'm going to tell the one of the elk on, like, our last day. Are are we going to do full stories here? Stay there. Are we going to do what? Are we going to do full stories? I feel like we still have an elk camp podcast to do yeah we do i and I, yeah yeah tristan you do you want to start this one do you have something loaded well, up yeah there was this one time i was rolling by uh riding mountain national park and there was a bison looking at me pretty square in the eye so that's the one that got away <laughs> uh 
I'm going to tell the elk story <laughs> just, just because I have to. Or I, yeah, I think I'm going to tell the elk story. So Chase and I go hunting. And if you listen to our previous podcast, Chase and I elk hunted before. And Chase has this thing like he always has to go to the bathroom kind of idea. Yes. But anyways, we're sitting <laughs> kind of 100 years, or 100 years, 100 yards apart kind of idea uh, by this wallow. We have, the you know, pretty good wind and we have a pretty good setup. So anyways, we're sitting there. Chase is doing some calls. Probably like an hour goes by. And he comes walking over to me. And I was like, did you hear that bull over to the east of us? He's like, no. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, do a bugle. And he's already got his pants down, like taking a leak. And I'm like, we'll do a bugle. So he's like taking a leak and does a bugle. And then this elk lights up to the east of us. And then this elk lights up to the west of us. And the one to the west is like fairly close. And so like. Chase still got his still got his rocket in his hand, like, and I'm just like, "Gay man, like, let's go here." So, anyways, Chase gets zipped up and he walks back to where he was, and we kind of, and we set up this decoy and we're kind of fumble fumble fucking around and we got everything kind of set up and Chase does another call and I'm watching. I could hear horns hitting the woods. I could hear something coming through and this beautiful six by six comes walking out of the bush at about a hundred, I don't know what, 130 to 160 yards away from me walking straight towards me and i was like i have an arrow knocked i'm kind of like crunched down or down i'm like behind these willows i was in a beautiful spot and i thought for sure he's gonna come straight to this wallow and come and like and i and i'll have an opportunity well at this time from what i understand of talking about this story three thousand times now with chase is i don't think chase heard the bull coming through the bush like his walking through the bush um so now, if you can imagine, Chase is standing there, and then there's, like, this bluff, and then the elk's on the other side of the bluff, and I don't know if Chase can see him yet, but I, I'm watching this whole thing. Chase does another bugle, and the bull, like, skirts the bluff and starts coming around towards Chase, and then now I can't see the bull, but I can see Chase, and he's just standing there, like, like not doing anything. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Like, why doesn't this guy, like, have a bow in his hand or anything? So long story short, this goes on and then the elk and him have this stare off and then it, the elk turns and runs away and I watch him run through the bush and I was just like, what the hell? And then so Chase comes walking back over and he's like in sh- kind of like in, not in shock, but like kind of like sh- kind of shaking and like in disbelief on what just happened. Like it was right out of the books and yeah, it was a pretty disappointing morning, but it was a total learning curve and. It was it was pretty pretty cool, but yeah, I think that's the one that got away for for both of us in uh, in different yeah. different respects. <clears throat> well, yeah. So without telling too much of of like the the rest of the camp, I'm gonna hop on this story quick and I'll I'll put this one into my the one that got away topic. And um, one detail I want to correct you on is I did have a bow in my hand. I had my arrow knocked. But I was just pretty much having a standoff with his elk at like he was at like 45, 50 yards, just looking right at me. And he, he didn't do what we in, thought he would. And uh, that was kind of uh, the the big lesson that we learned this year in the in the elk woods is that elk just kind of do whatever they want to do sometimes, and don't necessarily do what you think they want to do. And uh, yeah, so me and him had a good eye to eye for about felt like an hour, but it was probably more like a minute or two minutes, and and uh, yeah, 
I tried stepping around a, a willow bluff to to draw on him, but he didn't like that. Do you, do you want to have the, a quick cry? <laughs> yeah, that was probably the biggest elk I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too, man. <laughs> well, like in real life. Yeah. Can I can I do a fish story? Absolutely. Because you're not supposed to dust bison in Riding Mountain National Park in case no one picked up on that. Um, so Chase and I had taken the ladies up to Duck Mountain to, to go fishing uh, for the week. And in classic like camping style for us, we had shit weather all week. And we were fishing in the rain. And we didn't get any bites literally all week. And we were changing up our presentation. And we were changing depths, changing style, changing bait. Nothing was working. Um, this was early on, too. So I'm pretty sure both of them thought we had no idea how to fish. And we went out for a canoe ride. And I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to roll my fly rod out the back. And I had a woolly bugger on. I was like, ah, what'll it hurt? And I was on Child's Lake. And we're cruising along. And we kind of stopped for a second to see where Chase and Jody were. And also my, my rod bends, my fly rod bends. I'm like, huh, that's weird. So I give it a tug. I was like, oh, it's snagged. That sucks. Because if you've ever got your fly rod snagged, it's not a fun experience. So I started like reefing on this thing a little bit to see if I could jar it loose and then it started pulling back it was like holy shit there's a fish on stupid me though had my like sorry, sorry tristan but so carly must have really thought you were you were um, like a new fisherman hey man it was like uh it was like amateur hour out there like it was just not like i'm surprised we have a podcast to be honest with you like this is <laughs> <laughs> can't believe people actually listen to us anyways yeah between the elk and that trout so, the, I also had, like, my, like, light rainbow trout leader on. So, this thing, like, Chase, I think Chase heard me, like, yelp a little that I had a fish on. And so, I, their canoe stopped and was, like, looking at us. And I was trying to play this thing on the fly rod. And I had not caught anything on the fly rod to that point in time. And, like, 30 seconds in, this fish just snaps me off. It was big, too. And I'm pretty sure I, like, screamed so loud, the entire lake heard me. Wow. So that's definitely the one that got away. That was a master angler, probably Splake, and uh, could have been a Manitoba record. I'm not sure. It probably was the record. Canadian even, maybe. Who knows? We'll never know. So that... So that was great. That was nine burning questions there, fellas. We got through them all. Thanks a lot to anyone uh, and everyone that, uh, you know, gives us feedback and, and, you know, sends us in questions or whatever else it is through social media. We appreciate when people reach out to us and ask questions. And if you ever do have questions going forward, please don't hesitate. Throw us a DM. Um, we're more than happy to try to help you wherever we can. And if we can't, find, if we can't answer your question, we'll try to help you find the answer. Wow, I can barely talk already. What's up? What's up next on this agenda of this Christmas special? You guys are just clearly too busy on your phones. I'm just gonna do this by myself. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm not on my phone. I was having a beer. I'm um, are we gonna do a turntable tap and uh, grill for this one, or are we gonna skip that one? 
I think I think we should go into the what three things will you always keep in your pack or whatever. All right, I like that idea. Maybe not in your pack, but three things that that we use this this year, and it doesn't have to be a new thing, but something that we'll always keep in our arsenal. We'll say. Do you want to start? I can start. Sure. Yeah. I only have two right now, but <laughs> I don't have any. <laughs> Um. Uh. Actually, these two are actually are actually new things that uh, that I have in my arsenal this year. Um. The first is uh the wool love gear that we've been using. Um. And this is coming from like a non <laughs> a biased but a non biased opinion is like I'm so impressed with with the with how that stuff performs. But man, I'll always have a piece of that. Um. Going out into the woods is pretty wild. Um, how it how it changed my comfort levels. Uh, number two is uh, that camp stove that I kind of am trying to incorporate more into uh, my hunts this year. Uh, I I think I only fired it up once in the field, but I I had it fired up a couple times in the in the garage already in the shop. And just uh, when I was butchering up deer, fried up a little deer meat in there. And I think that is going to be like just a super cool feature to to have and to, you know, bring the kids up around. And and uh, I think it's one of those things that the kids will look forward to, excuse me, um, when they go out hunting. Yeah. You know, like either frying up some goose meat, frying up some deer liver, whatever it may be. Hopefully it's deer liver when you go out, you know. Yeah. And... That, that, sorry, Chase. That camp stove thing just reminds yeah. me of like uh, I think I told this story before too. But when we were up in uh, Churchill, snow goose hunting, one of the locals I went with brought a little camp stove and like basically fried up a little grinder, actually hand grinder, and ground grind like grinded some breasts up and some snow goose meat. And we had burgers right there in the field, so I can understand the. No way. Yeah, I can understand how. Uh, a little stove can come in handy out in the field. Oh man, I like that idea. I got that little grinder. I got to figure out a way to set it up down the on the box of my truck and do some goose burgers in the field. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I like that. I can't wait to see the paint job on your truck after that. <laughs> oh, the poor truck's already messed up. Don't even talk talk to me about that. Uh, the third thing. Um, what's my third thing going to be? I got one for you. Okay. I, I, I guessed your first two, first of all. I figured that those would be that. I was like, what's Chase? Chase is going to do the stove and the wool love for sure. Is You've been wearing your, your wool love around home. Like, I every time I've seen you, you've been in it. So there's no way you weren't going with that. Um, number three for you should be hearing aids. And I think Sheldon will back me up. <laughs> yes. That, no that's kidding. what I need. That's what I need for sure. I, I'm... Uh... Yeah, severely, not severely, but uh, um, the hearing loss is quite noticeable. So what uh, what I would say is that I enjoy is the the hearing muffs that I have when I'm duck hunting. Please wear some sort of hearing protection when you're out hunting or around any loud noises, such as helicopters or firearms. <laughs> you don't know what you're missing until oh, you don't have it. No kidding. One of my one of my things for my little list of of uh, three items that I that are in my arsenal is <clears throat> the buff 
like wearing a buff, having a buff with me. I usually have two with me. Like we obviously have some that we uh, produce with panoramic stuff on them. But I've always worn a buff style tube, whatever they call them. And uh, they work really good for like snowmobiling because they're super thin and stuff and get under the helmet. But this year hunting, like I just found so many different uses for it. And although it's super thin, it, it saved my ass a few times when it got cold out there. Uh, especially with your face in the wind, it, it helped out a lot. So that's one thing I don't think I'm gonna go and uh, hunt or fish without now is a is a buff, it, even if I'm not wearing it just in my pocket or whatever it may be in case I need it. Is that the that's only one thing? nice thing about about the buffs that we have too is they're they're pretty like easy to travel with. You know, um, you put them on your wrist if you're too hot to wear them around your neck, or you throw them in your pack, your pocket, whatever. Maybe it's not like you're jamming a big cumbersome piece of clothing away. That's true. That's true. Was that your only one, Sheldon? That's the only one I can think of right now. Okay. So if I had to pick three things and like these aren't, obviously if I was like cast onto an island, it would be like, hey, take a knife with you, take a way to start fire and maybe a way to purify water. Like those would be my big three, but... If I had to be like, what's like been the recent game changers around, I would say I started using iHunter more seriously. And that is an app that I undervalued in the past. And I would say it's like very, it's changed the way I hunt and the way that I have confidence going into the bush. So it's, it's allowed me to explore more. It's allowed me to make better plans it's allowed me to scout better so eye hunter has been a huge help um, the other one of the other things that i like bringing into the field when i'm waterfowling is this little thing called the finisher <laughs> you know what i'm talking about chase is that why you're laughing yeah i i don't like bringing necks man like i don't it's not a good feeling for me so like this little this little finisher it's like a little metal like pin scoop thing it goes into the duck's spine or whatever and cleans them out and it kills them like instantly <laughs> so like i mean i've had too many circumstances where i've like tried to wring a neck and the heads pop right off and then it's just no it's not worth it yeah i'd rather just the the neck the neck ringing is a little like barbaric but the finisher is a little more like dexter morgan like Oh, totally. It, it is like, it's it's still, you're, there's no doubt that you're killing something, but like, at least it's not like, like, I feel like neck ringing sometimes is like one step away from just Ozzy Osbourne, that motherfucker, <laughs> just like trying to bite the, <laughs> bite the head off. So there's got to be a Have better Have you ever one. rung like, like a goose's neck and it's gotten back up again? Oh yeah. It's the worst, man. It's the worst. That's not a good feeling. Yeah. And this, you got this like crippled ass goose like running around, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, no, it's not good. And the third thing, see, I don't, I don't, sorry, I don't have that problem because usually I just the finisher is like my gun. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you shoot a goose. To be fair, well, that's true. That's true. And so, and if I had a third thing, I would just like this is kind of odd, but I started bringing a USB charger into the into the field just because i've been relying on my phone a little bit more and and for all the instagram stories when i'm in the blind but um 
<laughs> if you're using iHunter. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So true. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt to have a little backup uh, battery pack for sure. Nice. Yeah, like, sorry that I don't have kind of two more. Um, but yeah, the, the other thing, and I'm just, this is kind of my whitetail side of uh, my whitetail side of hunting this year. Um, using bigger rattling horns, like using actually big sets of horns, I found were way more effective this year. I had two sets, one for one of my blinds and one for another one. And the, the smaller set, I, I found that like deer didn't even care about it. Like there's like whatever, but this big set, it was probably like a 140 class deer, 145 class deer and, and use those and making like nice big chunky, like kind of sounds like loud. And um, yeah, it seemed to work way better. So I'd, I'd, uh, I'd add that into my list. Just a set of rattling horns. Chase, do, do you need a set of rattling horns? Yeah, I do. Well, I do and I don't. I left my last set out in the bush. Um, so that'll give me a little bit of motivation to get back out there. Um, but I do have a second set that are bigger than the set that I left in the bush. So judging by Sheldon's observations, that's a good thing. Lastly, right before I shot my deer, like 10 minutes prior to, I'm pretty sure I heard two bucks fighting in the vicinity where he like came out of. So he might've been scrapping right before I gave him a poke. So <laughs> didn't go 20. No, he didn't. <laughs> so that's our, that's our three things in the pack and, or the gear bag. Exciting. Mm-hmm. What's the next one? Lessons learned or the, the Christmas list. Let's do the three things on our Christmas list this year. Why don't you start Tristan? Ho, ho, ho. We're coming in with our three things on the panoramic Christmas list for 2020. Santa, be nice to us. If uh, if I had three things on my list, the number one would be a bandsaw. I uh, was butchering deer today, and I tried to make some cuts in the front shanks, and it just wasn't happening. It uh, The handsaw kept binding, and... Uh, the, the fine, delicate cut that I wanted to make was not happening. So the bandsaw went on the Christmas list. Number two, if you follow us on social media, you might recognize that we are in the market for a deer blind. One that doesn't have any holes in it from Chase's arrows. And <laughs> preferably a little bit more draw room and head height because we are not small dwarfs and uh if i had to have a third thing on my christmas list it would be a functional 308 semi-loader um with a wood stock not not looking in any direction within this company but if if someone had a functional 308 semi-loader within panoramic outdoors that would be very helpful so those would be my three things what kind of uh, deer blind have you been looking at? Some? What kind of you have you found any of that kind of the top of the list right now? Yeah, the the uh, Cabela's XL series came highly recommended, and then there was another one I believe it was called like Muddy Blinds as well, was also highly recommended. So, like we've always talked about, is as if no one has made a ice fishing hunting blind yet. 
Yeah, I've always we, wondered we should invent it. if they're if they're too specialized, each one of them, but I don't know what the what the story is there. Yeah. I mean I, I can understand like um you know, if you get a ice fishing shack, like they actually are quite heavy. Uh, the hunting mines seem to be fairly light, but there's gotta be a gotta be something out there. If if you, oh what's that? You want my three things? Yeah, exactly. My first thing <laughs> Exactly. My first thing would be a canvas tent, but like not a wall tent. I wanna get um like uh, like a hot tent, they call it, like two or two to four four person tent, uh, so I can have a little wood stove in there, uh, to do winter camping out of it or do whatever I need to do. I don't know. I think it'd be super fun. So I'm in the market for that. Anyone that's listening that has any suggestions, I'm very very green when it comes to these this type of uh, endeavor. So please drop me a line and let me know um, what you think. My other thing I would put on my list is another blind chair. I've got one of those like. They're called blind chairs. Um, and I want to get another one for for one of my hunting blinds. Uh, they're super, super awesome because they rotate like 360 and they're very quiet and they're actually comfortable too. So, um, And they go go on sale all the time, so I'll probably, probably pick, end up picking one up if I don't get one for Christmas. Um, my third thing is shooting sticks. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever use them, but um, I don't have a set. I'd like to get a set because I've done a – Quite a bit of sitting this year um, on the ground in, in different spots, and a good pair of shooting sticks would probably go a long way. And I know we're only doing three, but I'm going to do my fourth one is I need to find a new pair of bibs, hunting bibs, insulated, like for cold weather. Um, but, yeah, my mind this year just took a shit kicking in. I need to, need to get something new. So those are my three things plus the bibs for this wish list. Do you do you run shooting sticks, Tristan? Don't ask me about shooting sticks because I had a malfunction in the field with them this year, and uh, they they are handy, but uh, just I would say make sure you practice with them, make sure you're familiar with them, and uh, make sure they're set up properly. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Chase, what's on your wish list? Um. Well, I would like to uh, dabble into the uh, tree saddle game a little bit. I think it could be uh, beneficial in the uh, in the archery game for sure, and even in rifle season, man. Just like some of the miles that we put on, it'd just be nice to have that saddle in the backpack and scurry up a tree if you want to, and just hang out for a couple hours. You know what I mean? Like climb up one of those big uh pine trees or spruce tree or something and uh hang out i don't know there's a couple spots i can think of that that uh i i could have done that this year um mirroring mirror uh mirroring uh one item off your list is is the uh ground blind for archery hunting um i think that's something we're gonna have to definitely invest in uh hopefully for next year and and uh yeah that's i don't know like you said we're just too big for a tiny ass ground blind that we currently have and i think there's better options for us and i think we'd be better off with a bigger unit and uh number three is a new bow site um i'm running one what's wrong with that what's wrong with yours there's nothing wrong with it um it's a borrowed archery site right now uh my buddy chris there he borrowed it to me because mine was my old one was like falling apart the pins were uh this 
the threads were like stripped on the pins, so they were they weren't tight and they were moving around. So he gave me one of his old sights, and it works fine. Um, but what I'm interested in is getting one like a three-pin sliding sight, like uh, kind of like what Hack has there. So you can set your first three pins up and then uh, have it adjustable to whatever yardage you'd like to set it to. So I'd like to reach out during the summertime and just practice at further further distances, like 80 yards kind of thing. And, and uh, I mean, just for, I don't know, just to do it. And so, yeah, I think that would, that would get me there. Well, hey, Josh, thanks for joining the podcast for a quick minute here. We got a one, one question for you. There's three things on your wish list. What are they? Uh, man, you guys can't do this to me every single time. Well, we got I, it. I, I can't, like, I, I can never choose, like, a limited amount of stuff, you know, of things and stuffs. Um, well, I was talking to a buddy today. Yeah. Just to give you a story, I'll give you a little story so you can think about it. But I was talking to a buddy today that had a gift card for Cabela's, and he literally told me he did not know what to get because he had everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's how. Yeah, that was. That was that was actually me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Literally, literally um, happiness, joy, and peace on earth. Those are my top three. And a cold weather sleeping bag, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the cold weather sleeping bag. Yeah. So, can I tell that story real briefly? Absolutely. So I had, I was gifted super generously, and I did not need it. A uh, two hundred and fifty dollar gift card from Cabela's extremely generous um from the givers and uh i literally did not know what to do i felt so overprivileged in that moment kind of sifting through the cabela's website you know facing this problem of trying to choose hey, shopping online is really difficult because you're not you can't like peruse like if you, if you know what you're looking for you can find it and you can buy it if you don't know what you're looking for and you're looking to just burn money that's sitting in your pocket it's extremely difficult to do online so I didn't know what I wanted, and I thought, man, I have to physically risk my life and go to this store across the city. So I did. I did the heroic thing and went across the city and went to this store, put my mask on, and started walking around. And uh, I was I was just fumbling around like an idiot. And that is, to me, the most horrific experience, shopping experience, that I could subject myself to. Going into a, an establishment that I don't want to be in and trying to find something that I don't want. So I thought, hey, it's ice fishing season. I may as well just load up on ice fishing things so I can, you know, play real loose this season. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you know, break off on a couple giant pike and, uh, you know, just just risk it all. And uh, so I did, I did exactly that. I just bought a bunch of stuff that I didn't need. And I thought, you know what? I always carry around a Bic lighter. I need a good lighter. I lost, you know, I've lost many Zippo, Zippos and stuff like that over time. I'm going to grab a nice lighter. I asked somebody at Cabela's if they have some lighters. They don't carry lighters. So the one thing I did need was a little foldable stand for a butane can. Because I have a burner that goes on top of a butane can. And uh, having this little foldable stand thing. I had one previously from, from Mac and lost it. And I needed one of those. So I thought, well, if I'm here, I may as well spend the $12 and buy one of these stands. I asked somebody about these stands. They don't carry them either. Um so, yeah, loaded up my little basket, this cute little green basket with uh, um, 
ice fishing tackle. And I bought one of those 10 inch, uh, hole scoops that you just plunge in once and pull all the ice out with one, one swipe. Got one of those things. I was pretty proud of myself for that. And, uh, and then I, as I left the store, I was texting Sheldon and I ended up calling him. We had a little chat and I realized in that moment, we were talking about winter camping. I need a cold weather sleeping bag. And I literally was just winter camping last week and froze and uh, thought the whole time, man, I wish I had a thicker sleeping bag. And uh, anyhow, so I've got this this bag of like tackle and, you know, some frozen minnows and live bait that I'm pretty sure I can't return and just kept on, kept on my merry way home. And I'm, I'm without a cold weather sleeping bag, but I've got some frozen bait stocked up in the freezer and some tackle. Maybe you can wrap yourself in the, the fishing lures. Keep yourself warm, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. The, the old, uh, the old bloody nap sequence. That'd be great. That'd be just, <laughs> man, I wish I had problems. Like you. <laughs> what a, Honestly, what a horrible, horrible problem. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a piece of garbage for, uh, for having problems like this. <laughs> Welcome to the holiday uh, podcast, Josh. Merry Christmas. Yeah, happy, happy holidays. Do we, are we allowed to say Merry Christmas? How liberal I, are you guys? I think we are allowed to say Merry. You Christmas. can say whatever the hell you want. <laughs> happy holidays, Merry Christmas. I'm just enjoying. Uh, I cracked an ice cold Guinness in the, uh, the widget can here. Um. I had just one of those the other night and just about barfed in my mouth 300 times. Come on. Oh, that's this gross beer, man. Oh, it's delicious. Get your life it's... together, Chase. Sorry, <laughs> Josh. I'm not oh, saying Chase. Yeah, thank Chase. You. Yeah, geez, Chase. Okay, okay. I, I got I to gotta ask you a question. Have you ever done this? Um, I was <laughs> I was flying up out of the paw, and uh, another pilot that was part of the crew that we're flying with he was allergic to something in like, I think it was like gluten or something. So he couldn't drink regular alcohol. He drank Guinness because it was, I don't know, something was kosher about it for him. But he used to take a, uh, like a um, half an ounce of raspberry syrup and drop it in there into like Whoa. a glass and then pour the Guinness in. And I tried a couple of those and they're actually pretty good if you want to like, um, just like, change it up a little bit oh it's like cherry coke man yeah <laughs> of course cool. he's adding stuff to it. it's like drinking skunk piss so no 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 i i it actually it's funny because when i cracked this um i was reminded of a story there was this customer i had many years ago and he had some sort of deficiency and he drank a ton of guinness to aid in his issue that he was having it may have been like iron or something like that and i thought it was really strange because like why are you drinking alcohol man to like fix your problems and like that's that's for depression and uh he uh he, he had some sort of yeah like mineral deficiency or something and he was squeezing all the juice out of guinness to get that into his into his system and just probably riding a wicked buzz the whole time he couldn't find any other like liquid to drink to, like, <laughs> well i mean if, sure yeah if you're iron deficient i mean there's you can get iron pills Josh, how many how, so, did you get two deer this year? Did I see that? Yeah, man. Yeah, two. Unreal. Feels, feels good. Feels feels real nice. First one was an archery doe. Really early season, the earliest I'd ever harvested uh, a deer. So it was an odd experience because it didn't have any, like it didn't have eight inch long hairs growing off of it. It was like just like a like a short haired pet. 
Um, so that was that was kind of uh, an interesting experience, but like fantastic. And then just uh, last week, yeah, got a small buck west of uh, west of Brandon, which was yeah, really good time. Did he say hi to Sheldon when you're west of Brandon or no? Did you guys? Did you guys talk about this at all? No, or? No, no. no, we haven't talked about this, but see, Tristan <laughs> feels my pain that you just keep skirting me without fucking calling me. Yeah, there's so many times, and I feel horrible, but I feel like it's my version of like just checking in, right? I'll send a screenshot of my pin to a buddy just adjacent to the town that he lives in, <laughs> and it's like, well, hey, why are you passing by and not saying hello? Like, well, because I'm passing by. <laughs> so I feel, I do feel, I do feel guilty now, and I feel bad that you, um, you pointed it out. So next time I'm passing by Brandon, I'll, I'll just make sure that I don't send a screenshot to Shelton in my location. <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to see you anyways or talk to you. So yeah, no, I, I can see that. Josh, what are you gonna do with all that venison? Wow. Um. Okay, so hold on. I'm gonna second up this question because uh, we had a question from a from one of our followers on Instagram. But he asked, uh, "What's the what's one cut that you used to look past before, but now you really like it? Is there anything on your venison that you've <clears throat> experimented with and found that you really like and that you're gonna continue to cook?" Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty seasoned in all those cuts now, but you know, go back a number of years and for sure ribs and shank um shank used to always get cut up and thrown in the grinder for the ground meat and ribs would get sliced open and thrown in the same pile and uh now ribs whole are definitely one of my favorite things same you know cook them like like a pork rib um and the um uh the shank is, uh, yeah, slow. It's a slow cooked piece of meat, right? These these tough pieces of meat, man. I I can't I can't uh, sing their praises enough. They're slow cooked and done properly. It's uh, yeah, like the the best way the best way to eat wild game for sure. So those those two pieces and, and what I do with all of the meat, um, I just kind of start digging into it. So it's all vacuum sealed in the freezer. Um, I still have quite a bit. It's funny, the last or one of the last couple of videos I put out, somebody asked me if I always carry a piece of uh, tenderloin in my back pocket. Because uh, I always seem to be making these like tenderloin uh, or backstrap recipes and, and things like that. And one of the amazing things is when you like to cook food and cook meat, people gift you some cool stuff. So like, I'll have like moose ribs land on my front doorstep. And, uh, I get, I, I get to, you know, experiment with, with different meats and, and try different things that I wouldn't necessarily be exposed to just because I'm, you know, playing with this stuff all the time. And obviously people are, you know, feeling generous and, and fortunately for me, their, their generosity, uh, you know, comes my way and I get to get to experiment with all these things. So with the venison, um, you know, the odd time I'll, I'll, I'll get some venison from, from someone else, but I also have quite a bit, you know, spring bear hunting I started doing. So I've got bear meat in the freezer and, um, I like to, you know, eat, eat wild game when I can. And then obviously make some content around it is, is something I enjoy doing as well. So I kind of pull it out, um, at opportune times and I save, I for sure selfishly save certain pieces for, you know, 
either community type things like if we're all getting together and going on the ice or something well you got to save a piece of meat for that or um having having some folks over for dinner or something it's uh it's important to share that stuff as well um but uh yeah i like to, i like to sort of have make sure that there's some meat at least in the freezer all the way up until next season so that i can continue to make some cool stuff and, and experience it throughout the season rather than eating it all right now i know a lot of guys that will have their meat processed right away and they'll start digging into it and they'll they'll deplete their wild game stores you know come march and i like to hang on to it a little bit longer so i can sort of uh yeah trickle it out through the season or through what's multiple your, seasons what's yeah. your um like what's your game plan when it comes to wild meat with your family i know you have a couple young kids and stuff are they do they do they like wild meat or how do you introduce that so that your family enjoys it instead of them turning their nose up to it yeah part of it is like if i'm if i'm honest they may not like certain pieces of it or certain cuts or certain animals um based on flavor or texture or whatever it might be or and or is it the idea like is it ever like oh god that's that? I don't. No. I don't think we've hit that yet. Um, okay. Potentially, I. I think part of the like the girls, the, the two little girls, they'll you know if you say bear, before it may have been like oh bear, like aren't bears cute, and now it's it's turned into like steak. Well, we're having steak. Like oh, I like steak, and once they learn that they like the steak, they realize that it's bear, um, and because I share that with them <laughs> and uh, they, you know, my, my oldest daughter, she's eight. She told me the other day that her favorite wild meat is bear meat. Um, and, and part of that is preparing it in ways and coming up creatively with preparations that are, uh, you know, favorable to their palates and, and just the mouthfeel of everything. My, my one daughter this morning wasn't into the venison and beef fat sausage that I had made. And we just had a conversation about why, and for her, it wasn't mouthfeel, it wasn't gaminess, it wasn't anything. It was just that, um, there, I can't remember exactly what it was that she said, but it was the seasoning. There was something in the seasoning that I put in there that was kind of off-putting, and she thought it tasted like X, which is another food she didn't like. And all of a sudden, it just sort of, you know, triggered in my head. Because I, I remember not liking foods when I was a kid, and, and knowing why I didn't like it, but it was really hard to express those things, because I was a kid and only knew three words. So... <laughs> and now now i know 10 words no change <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not not i haven't advanced uh too much since then but the um yeah it's 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 just the conversation and coming up with like well hey what did you not like about that if it came down to like gaminess okay well we'll we'll make something different that that may mask that gaminess just so that you eat whole food and then the other part is, well, I didn't like the texture. I didn't, you know, mouthfeel and all that stuff, which kids can be really sensitive to as well. Well, then you just change it up, change up the game, put it into pasta sauce or, you know, make a lasagna or, you know, do, do something with it that's a little bit different. Um, meatloaf or hamburgers or whatever. And kids love hamburgers, right? So hamburgers are a pretty easy one with wild game. You can put a, you know, chunk of roadkill elk in a hamburger and a kid's going to eat that thing. Let's not speak yellow for okay. I, I I got a question uh, for you. You've uh, you've you've got a uh, you've been you've had bear in your freezer now for the last couple of years, and yeah. um, I don't have a lot of experience cooking with bear. And what are some of the some of your favorite dishes that you've discovered 
uh, cooking with bear. Um, Shank, I, I'll go back to Shank. Shank's kind of become one of my favorite bear things, and and like the slow cooking pieces. Like last week, I did um, neck and shoulder, tougher cuts of meat. Um, you can cook them similar to a shank. I like to get a little smoke on it first. Definitely not cook it, but get a really light smoke on it just to season the outside of the meat, and then throw that in a fluid in the oven and braise that. And fluids for me means like stock chicken stock beef stock vegetable stock with some beer or whiskey um and just you know aromatics your bay your celery some onion garlic throw that in there just close the lid and leave it in the oven for hours like the one i did last week was overnight probably about 12 14 hours range and it just falls apart so everybody loves pulled pork like a pulled pork sandwich and that's exactly what i did with this it comes out of this fluid it's got this insane flavor you strain those fluids off, you cook them down and reduce it so the flavors are crazy concentrated and you make this gravy or a, uh, just a reduction and put that back into the meat. That, like it's ridiculous how insane that is. And if, if you know somebody tasted that, they would more than likely assume that it's the best pulled beef or pulled pork that they've ever had in their life um, without any thought that there was game involved uh, in the conversation. And it, it's it's bear meat. That that one is one of my favorites only because like I really love a bear steak. I, I do cook just like the traditional way you'd cook any steak. But the part I like about a lot of wild game is that when you could transform it into something that's normal for the North American palate um, and, and not disguise it, but just say like, you know, it, it's an amazing introduction. I love the introduction conversation when it comes to game. And when you can say to somebody like, hey, tell me that doesn't taste like X you know, food that you're familiar with and they can't notice the difference. That's a win to me because so often, like I like the taste of game, but so often hunters and outdoors people themselves don't like the taste of, of certain animals because they cook it the wrong way. Well, take a little extra time, learn some new techniques. You guys are really good with that, adopting new techniques and, and you know, new flavors and all that stuff. And you all play in the kitchen and you know that, hey, that way that I was doing it, a few years ago sucked and I don't want to do that anymore. New way that I experimented with is amazing. I'm going to continue doing it that way. And for me like that, those cuts are, um, you know, shoulder, neck, uh, shank, those tougher cuts. I mean, anyone, anyone enjoys a steak, right? But if you could take these weird obscure cuts that most people aren't familiar with eating and introduce them into someone's, you know, food library, man, that that's, it's super important, but, it's it's an amazing eating experience as well. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for Josh to breeze down some of the parts that I typically leave for the birds in the bush and uh, tell me how those taste. Which uh, which parts are we referring to? Well, the I, nut sack and yeah, the, the penis. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys haven't ever had a nut sack stew, I'm sorry, but that is delicious. <laughs> You've never had a deer penis in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, hey man, we did, we did we did moose nuts that one year up in Moose Camp. Yeah, we did prairie oysters. They weren't and good. They weren't good. No, they weren't good. No, they were bad. They were yeah. like no, they reminded me of calamari. They uh, the way we did them, gritty. The calamari. way the guy did them that that cooked gritty? them is he he uh, he boiled them. Oh no! And then he sliced them and breaded them, and then we deep fried them, and it was like. 
all the inside stuff fell out and it's just like the outer layer that was like calamari almost like tasted like ah that sounds like a horrible description but i'm sure it was bad like i it had to have been prepared hey i i i'm not uh i'm not seasoned in eating moose nuts so i'm i'm actually not certain uh how they how they should taste or texturally how they should be but um yeah i mean there's there's got to be the right way to do it but i mean that 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 little nugget could stay in the bush too <laughs> should we talk about lessons learned in the field this year yeah let's do it. oh i'm not i'm not going to take take the stage on this one all i want to hear you guys well you still got to give your what you learned this year like if so you want to sit in, if you want to sit in on a panoramic podcast, you got to participate. You just can't talk about what you want to talk about. Well, no, I would. I'm definitely going to offer the lesson that I've learned. Oh, okay. um, oh, you I still want to? I've been talking. I've been talking a lot, and I hopped into this podcast without uh, really saying thank you for dialing me up and uh, having me figure out Skype for the first time. Um, and uh, and inviting me into your your Christmas special, which I think is like pretty pretty amazing, and I thank you guys for that. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't want to like keep on keep on talking. Uh, I want to allow you guys to talk a little bit, and then maybe I'll maybe I'll take the stage again because I learned a wicked lesson just like last week. Well, awesome! I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I think uh, Tristan's going to start this one off. I'll yeah, for sure. Lessons learned. Oh boy, she- Sheldon, are you hinting at something that I that I should have learned? Is that what you're? <laughs> Uh, no. no. Yo, clearly, clearly we've got, we've got some, something to address here. So I was hunting on a, on a cut line and I had seen a target animal downrange and I was in a blind at that point in time and I, it was about 500 yards away. Chase was coming to, he's, he's traveling with my dad to the, to the same site because they had gone to another area and seen absolutely nothing. Because they are terrible hunters when they're together. <laughs> and uh little jab. Yeah. And uh I proceeded my way towards this animal. I it, there was fresh snow on the ground. I was like, hey, maybe I can catch a track and like track this thing. Well, on my way closing distance to like catch up to this thing, another one pops into the bush at two hundred yards. And this is my shooting stick story here, Sheldon. Because I had my shooting sticks on me. However, I did not set them at the proper height. So mm. they were about eight inches too low. Oh, no. So while this animal was like broadside away from me, 200 yards away and looking dead at me, I was trying to get into this like half squat position and was like focused on this animal. And like I could see my gun. It like it wasn't. I guarantee you it was not any better than if I had free-handed this thing and just, like, gone off, like, with my regular, like, um, just, like, freehand, right? So, like, I, I landed up missing, which was ridiculous. So, yeah. So, um, that would be my hard lesson for the year was, like, make sure your shooting sticks are set up properly. Make sure you've practiced with them. Make sure that you're in a... Put yourself in a position where you're making the best shot possible because yeah what i did was just ridiculous so don't do that well thank you for sharing that tristan we uh we all accept your uh your your fault your folly finally we have a host 
I can I can follow that that lesson up with a with a similar lesson on on the same cut line. Um, Wait, two two horrible things happened on the same cut line on the same day. Yeah, yeah, pretty much on the same day too. It's funny because I, I've been thinking about this for a while, and then like the buck I shot this year, I put it up on Instagram, and it's just like everybody loves it. Everybody's congratulating me, and it's like. It's a nice buck, and it's it's one of the biggest bucks I've ever killed in my life. And uh, the funny thing is, it was a complete shit show to get it. <laughs> and um, I'm going to spare this long-ass story, but the buck steps out onto this cut line at 150 yards, and I completely rush a shot. And I shoot without like taking a moment to breathe, without taking a moment to just really anchor myself as a marksman should and to really make sure that the bullet that's going down range is going to be successful in its journey kind of thing. And, and I shot and I thought I made a bad hit. And, uh, after further observation, after I did end up getting the deer, I didn't even hit it on the first shot. So it was, uh, like I said, I'll spare I'll spare the story, but um, the 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 short of it is like take your time when you're taking a shot and just yeah. make sure like like part of the part of the thing like going to field there's 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 so many things that that you know to pay the animal respect is a huge thing and like if we're going in reverse here like learning how to cook properly with venison is a huge thing or wild game is like it is such a massive factor to me to, to respecting that animal and like probably like the start of it is making that shot making the best shot you can on the animal and yeah. and uh yeah i kind of fucked that up this year so i just i really want to just like hit the rewind button and start over again and 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 just i don't know even though it didn't go the way I planned, it, it worked out in the end, but it still is, it's not like a, a bragging moment for me. Yeah, it's not so. super heroic. That That's one of the amazing things that I find about these like hunting stories that come out of every season and everybody has them. Um, you know, even, even these like wins in hunting can feel like a loss depending on how your emotions are tied up in the whole experience, right? And it's just something no, you do not understand until you've gone through multiple seasons. I mean, people experience it in their first season, right? But until you actually have your feet in the field, you just don't know what that complete whirlwind of emotions is going to be like or or what could possibly happen. And you could go multiple seasons without even experiencing that, right? You could have success after success and then have this gut-wrenching experience that could very much, you know, to the external eye look like success um but you could be beating yourself up over it because of a, of a bad decision made or or uh, some some sort of fault right it's, you're absolutely right josh it's uh it's the wild west out there and i don't mean that in like a uh trivial gunslinging way. gunslinging way but like yeah it's uh the, the room for error is not large let's just say no, an error happens in pretty well every hunt, right? And it's super funny that 
social media has destroyed the glory in hunting almost. And, and now, now there's these, you know, glorifications of the hard hunt, right? Like that was such a hard hunt. That was a difficult hunt, like hardest, hardest hunt of my life or of my career. Um, it's like such a wild, a wild thought that, um, you know, you assume that there's some sort of glorification that comes out of a hard hunt. There absolutely is like the reward I think is internal, right? If you can internalize that and make that into something that is, you know, like, Hey, I met, I met this challenge and overcame it and whatnot. But, um, you know, every hunt is technically somewhat hard, but then on the other side, you get this glorification of, well, I walked into the bush and shot this monster buck. I was hunting for five seconds. Right. And that happens and you get praise for that too. So the reality is there's just this whole, you know, massive pile of multiple experiences and outcomes that could come out of a hunt. And I think it all should be somewhat glorified in the sense that as long as you're doing things right and ethically, man, I'm going to use this as a segue into my story right now. You guys just watch. Uh, but what happened to me this season was a unique story for myself at, um, because I shot this deer and I would say it was probably around a 130 yard or something like that shot. And uh, it ran off, went up, well, gave it about, I don't know, 20 minutes or something like that. Walked out to check it out. And um, actually, we didn't give it that much time. We, Anyways, we, we, we walked out because the thing ran, looked for blood and found some blood and bone in the snow. And I'd have had deer, you know, shoot, shoot something and have it run before. But um, I, I've never had anything personally. I don't think anyhow, totally escape and this deer was gone and there was a big pile of blood and i love i love tracking i've got a really good tracking eye and i tracked and tracked and tracked and many times i was down to like a snowflake pinprick size spot of blood mixed in snow and leaves very light snow and leaves and then just nothing for 40 yards so walking through thick, thick, thick bush, looking for random things, random spots of blood, random sign, you know, scuffed up tracks, all these things, and then getting back onto blood. And you feel horrible, right? Like, man, I, I hurt this thing. And this wasn't a clean, a clean process. And you feel like garbage. You don't know where you hit it. I saw a bone. I assumed it was shoulder. I'm replaying the visual in my mind of that crosshair in the scope. I know that I shot too far forward. I know that I did. And I'm just beating myself up over it. And I know that I shot low. And now I'm like, man, I'm a I'm a crappy hunter. I don't I this is why I don't rifle hunt. This is why I hunt archery, right? This is this is why I go black powder, because I'm more collected. I have more time. All these things. I'm like mad at myself. And then boom, collect yourself, you find more blood. And then you've got a game plan this looks like a lot of blood i know something i know this thing's injured collecting my thoughts and uh find a really good trail and then bump the deer the deer picks up and takes off okay well i saw blood there's a quick flash through the woods there was blood looked like it was limping tail was down everything's good but again you feel so guilty that this was not a clean experience but you know that your duty is to track this thing and to take it down this is not even close to being over and again I had never done this before for myself. I'd helped other people track and do all that. I've never done this before for my, myself, and I felt like trash. Kept on keeping on, and um, 
after, you know, I think, I think the shot was taken just before nine o'clock and at around one o'clock we bump the deer again and I see it take off through the brush up this little hill and it can't go up the little hill. Um, and I knew it was injured in the front shoulder. Right. So it was obviously having a hard time and, um, devise this plan. Like how do we make this stop as fast as possible? So the buddy I was with, I said, you know, you're going to flank from this side. We had, you know, some, some plan in place. I snuck through the bush, wanted to get eyes on this thing as quickly as possible. Um, so that I could get a shot and, you know, through a little bit of brush had a shot between some poplars and I could see its neck. It, it's, you know, it was, it was sitting down and took the shot and got, got the neck shot and it was done. Um, I, I'm still beating myself up over that, right? Like not, not a pleasurable hunt, but at the end of the day, um, I did the right thing. I, I went there to fill a tag and I went there to harvest, you know, organic meat. And the, the, the lesson there is man, like I took my time on that shot. I had the perfect shot. Um, but I didn't take in those little calculations of man, maybe, maybe I should just aim a little higher. Maybe, maybe I should just set it a little farther back. Um, maybe. And, and what happens too, just to jump forward back to the, you know, what happened to the deer is that, um, uh, I shot, I did shoot in the shoulder and it's, it's leg was like severely front leg was severely injured. And, um, like I, I, I feel so empathetic toward animals in general. Like, man, I, I felt horrible, um, for, for all, all that went down. But again, I, I felt so accomplished at the end of it. Um, because the goal was there to ethically take an animal and to put it in, in the freezer and to, and to feed the fam, you know? And, and I did accomplish that, but those, those weird feelings that you get out of it and those emotions, man, again, like it's so hard to tell people and you don't want to tell those people or like, you know, somebody who's a, a seeker to hunting, you don't want to tell all those stories because they're, they're horrible. I hurt an animal mm-hmm. and, and it didn't feel good. Like, but at the end of the day, those experiences, they polish you, right? Like I always say, like, even with music that I listen to, I like a good soulful song that just like feels like sandpaper on my soul. You know, like I want something to have some sort of abrasion so that I do my best to not only refine myself, but um, avoid uh, those experiences as much as possible and, and really calculate what I'm doing so that this does not happen again. And it's going to, and you need to know that it'll happen again. Um, but anyways, for the sake of not rambling, lesson learned, um, like take your time and also be easy on yourself because there's there there's a multitude of different things that could go wrong and they will and do go wrong on a regular basis and everybody has had those experiences and to glorify you know a hard hunt or an easy hunt or whatever it is it's all just a hunt and there's a story behind everyone and every everybody makes a bad decision or screws up and those are the parts that are not talked about on social media. Um, they're sort of brought up sometimes around the fire pit. Uh, but if you have an ego, you're never bringing up those stories. And the reality is that those are the stories that make better hunters and make better community because you can learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah, that's very true. I like the way you put that. I had a whole week to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah. 
it's it's interesting reflecting on that because like part of me thinks like my dad's generation wouldn't have given two thoughts to kind of like that that style of hunting do you know what i mean like they were they were out there to fill the back of the pickup truck in a lot of ways right (laughs) yeah yeah it's true it's interesting to see how the the consciousness in some ways of like the the hunting community has shifted here to, to, to focus in on like, how do we do this as like ethically as possible? And we, we've talked about maybe like three, three misses chase and Josh, you got animals out of it still, but like, um, we obviously we're thinking very deeply about how, how we need to act in these situations. Right. Yeah. Kind of putting the animal first, right. Which definitely wasn't, um, like you're saying in our dad's era, uh, wasn't really a part of the conversation. Yeah, and he's still got a like. I still get buck fever. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, that still kicks in every once in a while. So, like, that's. I don't know if I'd hunt if I didn't get buck fever every once in a while too, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. hundred percent. So the the funny thing was was like with my animal. Um, when when I took the shot at at that animal, like I I was on body, I was like the way the animal reacted to the shot I, I i figured for sure okay this guy's hit but he's not hit good and in my mind like at the speed he was moving off of the cut line i was like yeah i can catch up to him and i can like kind of finish this scenario faster than like me waiting an hour to catch up to him kind of thing like I, I think i can catch this guy and and just yeah. like put him out of his misery. So like, in my mind, that was that that was the best option. And and like, I don't go into any situation intending on that to be like the best option. You know what I mean? It's like normally it's like double lung, get it done, and then you're done. But it's I don't know. There's a lot wow, of variables double lung, double lung, get her done. And what was that he just said? That was good. <laughs> There's a lot of variables there sometimes. And I, I remember we we're talking about this uh, in a couple of previous podcasts and it's just shit hits the fan sometimes. And it's not, you know, if you, if you've met someone that tells you that they haven't had that situation happen to them before and they claim to be seasoned hunter, they're full of shit because yeah, shit does happen. Yeah. yeah, it does. It does. Like, I don't even know why it's hidden, right? Like even, even just the thought of hiding like a doe kill from your buddies because they'll think you're an idiot. It's like, well, those those got to get taken too, man. Yeah, that's true. That is true, Josh. Sheldon, what's your what's your lesson, buddy? Please tell me it's not a mess because we're uh... <laughs> my lesson for this for this season um, is going to be a, a deer hunting story as well. But it was kind of a lesson that I had to learn. I don't know. I've been thinking about it a lot. So basically I'll give you the scenario that I was <clears throat> hunting a piece of property that we've been hunting all year. Um, and in the last like week and a bit, we are probably longer than that. Like basically the whole rifle season, general rifle season, there's a few like bigger bucks that were, we were getting on camera. Like they're kind of moving in. So I knew there's some really nice bucks on the property. Um, but just, getting eyes on them was, was the next thing. But anyways, I kind of narrowed it down to where they're coming out. These does were coming out. So I thought if I set up on these does, eventually some of these bucks are going to start appearing and it all worked out. So I'm sitting on like this, an embankment on the bottom side of it and, uh, watching 
there's two does and two calves out in the field. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, maybe I should. And they're about 400 yards. Yeah. And I was thinking, and it wasn't a really a field either. It was like a, it was a field, but it was one that wasn't planted in two years. Like it was just scrub bush and just shit. Right. Like so, tall grass and stuff. Tall grasses. Yeah. Like it, it yeah. was, it wasn't like your typical combine wheat field. Sure. So A, they're hard to see and B, uh, there's, you know, you, you have some cover. So anyways, I was thinking I'm going to move up a couple hundred yards in case a buck comes out, then I'm going to have a good shooting spot. And then I kind of like in my mind, I kind of like started debating with myself. Like, like well, no, you never know. Something might come out over here and whatever. So I ended up sitting there and sure as shit, this fucking nice buck comes walking out and it's a beautiful big probably like one of the biggest bucks i've seen on the property in real life comes walking out of the bush um you know looking at these doe these two does and two calves and i'm standing i'm sitting there and i never ranged it i ranged it later on but i was sitting there and i'm like looking at him and i'm like with my binoculars and i'm like oh my god that thing's big you know like this is a big buck yeah, and got my gun up and you know looked at it and I couldn't really find the best shot, but at the same time I found you know like through the scope there's a couple times I could have pulled the trigger and I would have had a decent shot, um, and 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 no there's no part of me that thinks that my gun wouldn't have made that shot. I know my gun can make that shot, but my confidence wasn't there. I've never made that 400 yard shot on a whitetail before. And like mm. in reality, those deer aren't that big, you know, like compared to like a moose or an elk or something, right? It's this little piece, it's this little piece of, of an animal in this long grass that's meandering its way through. Um, so there's certain, like, it's not like it was stand, like I said, it's standing in an open field where you could, you know, really get a good target. That's a far and, poke at anything, man. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I, but the thing is, is like I had the shot. And I never took the shot. And like when I talk to certain people, they're like, "Well, you know, like maybe you should have just just took the shot and just see, you know, maybe you should have just done it." And I think right. that was my lesson learned: is that I, I need to build up a bit of confidence. And maybe it is the fact that I need to take my my gun out and shoot some long range targets, or do whatever. But I've never taken that shot before, so it like withheld me from from harvesting this beautiful deer that I watched with like my binoculars and my scope and everything else <laughs> and never pulled the trigger. And then, so after that day, I like think about it all the time. I'm like, man, I should have fucking took that shot. And I never did. And it's not like, and in no word of a lie, it's not like I had buck fever or anything. Like I was going to do it, but I just could not find the perfect, in my mind, I need the perfect shot. And maybe that's yeah, yeah but you did background. you did the wise you did the wise thing, man. Like you knew oh, yeah, your yeah. limitations. Like there's that that whole you know thought of like, well, I just take a poke. Well, what does that mean? So you want to shoot it in the back yeah. leg? Yeah. Where? So I gotta I gotta I ask you this, man. Where would I, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my threats is coming out or my uh, yeah, whatever. Um, where would you <laughs> aim on that deer right now with the without? Uh, sighting your gun or looking at like a, a, a ballistics chart, where would you where would you have taken a poke at that deer? Like where would you have hang your crosshairs on him? I would have put an in, probably an inch over his back. Oh no way! You'd be missing low all day. Like no, but like like sorry, not an inch in my scope, but like 
it'd probably be like a foot over its back, like an inch in my scope. I still that think makes sense. I still think you'd be low. What you, yeah. What caliber are you shooting? No, but but you also got to think I'm an inch high at 200 yards on a target. Okay. Yeah. What caliber are you shooting? 300 short, 180 grain. Okay, so it's zipping pretty good then. Yeah. So there would be that much of a drop. I'm not a long shot, so like I I really like close quarter quarters hunting. So the 400 yards, you know, crosshairs an inch, say you're 12 inches over its back, that's too too low at 400. It's getting close. My, my rifle, uh, 300 short mag, shoot, pushing 180 rain bullets is about, uh, when I'm zeroed at 200, is about 18 inches low at 300, if I remember correctly. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That's nuts. I didn't realize there was that much drop. Yeah. The big bullets drop but they hold the energy good but they uh i think that's what it is it might be it's it's like between 12 to 18 it's definitely not less than 12 it's definitely not more than 18 at 300 but it's it's a significant drop between like 200 and 300 so snipers just shoot straight up in the air is what you're saying (laughs) pretty much yeah pretty much yeah (laughs) unbelievable (laughs) that's crazy Okay, so le- that's a pretty pretty good lesson. Don't um, don't don't share with your buddies how long your shot was, so they can critique uh, how weak your bullets are. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think I think Sheldon made a, made a great decision there, and yeah, it's funny because when you were telling me the story, you didn't specify the range this thing was at, and I thought you were in a different tree stand. I was like, well, why didn't you shoot? Kind oh, no. of thing because you're Dude, like, oh, was, he was through the grass, and all he was in the Oh, that's that the other like, story. Okay. Yeah, another fucking monster walked by me at 150 <laughs> yards and I didn't shoot him. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, so you're that you're that guy that just passed on bucks all season. <laughs> well, well, the thing was is I I was, you know, playing by the rules. It was still too early. It was a nice buck, yeah. but it was wasn't shooting light. And yeah, it was yeah. it was that one morning. Um, I think it was like almost like a full moon or something. And then the next morning it was super clear out. So like. I think shooting time was at like let's just say seven twenty, and it was probably like seven oh five or something. And I watched this deer walk across the field, walk right by my stand. It was a nice, beautiful buck, but I, you know, it was just, just my timing wasn't there. But it was so clear out, I could clearly see it was a nice buck. Right. You know. Right. Mm. I've, well, that's I've good. Yeah, holding back. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's perfect. I've heard of you know many bad experiences this past season through buddies, and it's just it's not worth shooting the wrong deer. It's not worth shooting on the wrong property. It's not worth shooting before or after light. It's just not worth breaking any of the guidelines that are in place because you're gonna get hurt or find somebody else is going to get hurt, and um, yeah, it's just it's never worth it. Hey Josh, I got one more question for you. Well, we have yep. you on. Fire. Do, you re- do you remember the first time you came onto a podcast with us? Yeah, I do. <laughs> An old chaser. We had a good fire that night and made some duck and yeah. uh, sausage and stuff. I was just thinking yeah, about that the other day, and I was like, "That was that. Well, that's what I missed because of COVID. I missed doing those kind of things." Yeah, it was amazing. We we cooked up like quite a few things. I don't think you were present, Tristan. Correct. Uh, I. Th- think no i think i made that one i might have missed the next one i think i can't remember or, 
Well, yeah, I, I think can't. you missed the so, initial, the initial Josh okay, yeah. introduction, yeah. And then, yeah, we cooked up some duck, and I think I had sucker patties that I made up. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, you sucker cakes. Yeah, sucker cakes. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that that's that's the one thing that's really difficult with, with lockdown stuff. Um, yeah, like this is this is nice, but being able to be around folks on a more regular basis. I mean, hey, it shelters you from being around certain folks that you don't like being around, which is kind of a bonus. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's too bad when you're like a community, community based person and, and drive off of the energy that other folks offer. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of crappy, but this is, this is a really nice in between for sure. Stuff like this. Um, I got one more question for you. I thought I only had one question for you, but so yeah, it turns out there's a bunch. Yeah. Well, I haven't talked to you for about three hours, so yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Like the questions accumulate in my mind. Um, but I got, there's one thing we've been doing on the podcast and I know you don't listen to us, but we, uh, correct. <laughs> we do what's on the turntable, what's on the grill and what's in your cup or what are you drinking kind of thing. Can you answer okay. those three questions? As in like, what have you been listening to lately? What have you been cooking lately? Yeah. yeah, what's, yeah. what's a drink yeah. that you've, that you've liked lately? I know I kind of have yeah. to explain it to you, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, you got to really uh, simplify it here. So, uh, yeah, I guess there's a few things. I've been, what, what am I going to start with here? I guess cooking is an easy one. Um, I've obviously just been more recently cooking up some venison because I've got it present and not experimenting a ton really with new stuff, but a little bit, making, I should say, variations of things that I'm comfortable with. Um, I just did a steak roll-up recipe that we filmed a video for. Um, that's kind of like a new one for, you know, stuff that I haven't shared content-wise. So that'll be coming out shortly. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, just just food, just just fun stuff. I've got a new dehydrator I'm playing with, so I'm kind of making some new things. Um, been playing with some mushroom powders and whatnot. Um, and uh, that's just like an amazing way to add flavor to food. So that's, that's kind of what's been happening in the kitchen. Um, turntable wise, man, there's a, there's, there's a real good, um, newer, uh, track with Miley Cyrus with her, you know, created by her sister, Noah Cyrus. Wow. Those are some good racks you got there. Just, you distract. <laughs> so what, is, what a distraction. The video thing is actually a, a, an amazing distraction, but it's great. It's great to see some smiling faces and then one grumpy one. Um, but, uh, just, I'm not going to identify who that is. Um, but yeah, there's, there's one, uh, uh, Noah Cyrus featuring Miley Cyrus called, I got so high that I saw Jesus. And, um, it's just a beautiful sounding track and it's like, you know, it's, uh, unforgivably like a secular song about just getting so ripped that you saw something holy. And uh, the, the the spirituality of that is like, man, it's just magical. I, li- I, li- I like it. I, li- I like I like the vibes going on there. It's like, you know, see it, see in the face of of uh, of, of Jesus because like some incident happened, um, which for me is like, man, like step stepping out into the woods is like, man, if there's if there's some somebody out there that this is like, I'm looking at his face right now, you know, 
and uh, I, I can relate to that kind of that kind of stuff. So I'm drawing my own uh, parallels here. But um, so there's that. Uh, here I am by Miss Dolly Parton. You guys, if you guys have not uh, listened to that track with Dolly Parton and Sia, it is just unbelievable. It's it's beautiful. It's like two years old. Um, and uh, a little credence recently. I'm just kind of going through my list of like tracks that I've been playing recently. Rosanna by Toto. So good. Um, listen, listen to that one too. Rosanna. Amazing. Um, what was the other one? Drinking? Uh, it's drinking's kind of like the same old, um, on tap. Like I've, I've had quite a bit more recently, um, downing some just beautiful beers that non such brewery makes and their beers are just phenomenal. They're so developed in flavor and it's like, Ah, they're just they're just magical. I, I highly recommend. I don't know if you guys have tried uh, their beers yet, but they're they're so good. Um, in the taller bottles, they've got like it's it's like buying a bottle of wine. You buy this like elegant pop top uh, cork bottle, and um, it's just a very refined way to to sip on uh, a glass of beer. And all of their beers are extremely powerful. Like we're talking. 7.9 to like 10 percent. so you have a glass of that beer and you start getting dizzy and realize you know what is in this cup and uh it's just a powerful beer but you don't taste it right like typically especially when we were younger those strong beers tasted like strong beers and uh now they just have like all of these beautiful flavors to them and they're kind of sweet sour and floral and all these cool things it's it's uh delicious now i still like cracking a you know a basic basic beer too but um i i just really yeah I've, I've been i've been enjoying those ones recently and uh yeah and then of course just like anything that's got whiskey in it i appreciate so i've been sipping on that too but uh yeah does that cover all three i think you nailed it yeah man you did nail it <laughs> yeah a little bit of obscure josh fashion yeah exactly we <laughs> asked for we asked for one song <laughs> was it what? I don't. I think you said what's 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 on the turntable. <laughs> I well, I'm, yeah, I might have said what's in the jukebox. I didn't mean every single track that was in there. But no, I'm sorry. But uh, hey, 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 pop star, pop star, <laughs> DJ Khaled and Bieber. That is like, uh, or I, I guess I should say Drake. It's Drake, it's a Drake track by DJ Khaled, but Bieber's in the music video. But uh, man, that's some. Uh, ridiculous. That's a modern music right there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, does that bring us to the party section of our holiday podcast? <laughs> <laughs> am I invited to the party section or am I just here to uh You don't get a plus in, one in conversation. We can probably wrap this up and then start popping some tops, no? I have to. I'd have to escape to grab another glass if uh, if I'm going to continue on for a few more minutes. Anyways, thanks for listening to the Panoramic Podcast. <laughs> hey, Josh, thanks for coming on. Thanks everyone for listening to the Panoramic Podcast. This was a wicked night. We're probably going to continue chatting here after we hit the unrecord button, if that's possible. But a big shout out and thank you to everyone that's listened to our podcast. This was a great year for uh, Panoramic. We've we've grown a lot had some really really great episodes and appreciate everyone that that tunes in subscribes shares and likes our stuff but for us to continue in 2021 we still got to 
help out by liking, sharing, or commenting on our posts and podcasts. So thank you everyone for tuning in. Hey, let me let me comment your things for two seconds as a uh, you know somewhat uh, as a co-host a few times here and as a uh, uh, a listener as well and uh, as, you know add to the listener side of things. Like you guys are doing a bang up job um, pushing through the you know the the tough times and the you know episode after episode after episode it's not easy to do it's a ton of work and it's super man i i know i know how hard it is to have a side hustle or two or three and um you guys are you know doing doing great work you guys are pursuing guests that you want to talk to and that you think adds to um you know adds value to the outdoor listener um when it comes to those you know educational conversations or just curious conversations food based outdoors based biology based whatever it might be um the the curiosity that you guys have is is fantastic and the drive that you guys have is is fantastic to just share the outdoor story and um it's it's extremely appreciated and uh, I'm, I'm i'm glad that you guys are doing it from you know this this grassroots homegrown manitoba based thing and it's it's uh you know there's pride in seeing something grow like that um for me as knowing you guys and and you know even beyond further back as just a listener um there's there's that manitoba pride and that hunting and outdoorsman pride that uh that i think everybody holds and and uh um can definitely look up to you guys when it comes to you know carrying that forward so well freaking done uh another another christmas that nobody died or got severely injured that's amazing and uh yeah hat, hats off to you guys thanks a lot josh that, that means a lot and uh i think I, I speak on behalf of all three of us that uh the same uh, same kind of words goes back to you. you helped us out quite a bit and we enjoy getting together with you doing podcasts or creating content cooking whatever it is so thank you for doing everything that you that you've done for us as well yeah i appreciate you guys thanks for listening everyone <laughs> keep your stick on the ice <laughs>